love, true love, is what brings us together. I, I couldn't help after, after that communion service. Uh, love is what brings us together today. If you guys don't know what I was doing, it's a scene from Princess Bride. I encourage you to go watch it. It's a great movie. Good family movie. We love it. But, um, yeah, we are not talking about eros. We are going to talk about agape love today, though. And, um, but I, I did want to point out, I'm, I'm a preacher mostly because I'm not really good at math. And there's not a lot of math involved in our job. I think Nathan would testify to that. There's a lot of reading, but I can read silently, at least pretend to. But I'm not good at math. But I was doing some math after the announcement about the drive-in theater that it's going to be 60 <laughs> degrees warmer and it's negative 2 outside. I still don't think it's going to be 60. But I'm not really good with math, like I said. So I want to encourage you guys all, show up to the drive through service or drive-in service next weekend or next Sunday. And uh, if nothing else, you guys get to watch Nathan and I freeze outside from the warmth inside your car. So it should be a lot of fun. We, we look forward to seeing you for, out for that. And we're encouraged that you're here in the building today. And we're also encouraged that you're online. Hit that like button and share this with uh, somebody that you know. Somebody who needs to hear a message about love. There, you know there's somebody out there in your circle that needs to hear a message about love. And feel free to share that with them. Do you guys remember Stranger Danger? How many of you remember Stranger Danger? I, I grew up in an age where we were taught not to talk to strangers. And we were told that, that if we were approached by a stranger on our way to and from school, that there was these handprints. I don't know if you guys had that in Colorado. In Arizona, we had these handprints. And these handprints would have a big handprint and it'd have a small handprint inside of the big one. And they were stickers and they were on the sides of school buses. They were on the sides of the police cars. They were on the sides of the fire trucks. They were on the side of the utility companies like Ma Bell. Ma Bell, that tells you how old I am. <laughs> Mountain Bell. Um, they were on the sides of the utilities like the, the electric and gas company as well. And, and if we saw one of those, we could run to those people and they would help us for whatever kind of emergency it was. And because this all predates 911 and kids having cell phones and all the, it was, it was, a, it was a better life, you know? It's quieter, more simple. But we were told not to approach strangers. And if strangers approached, we could run to one of these symbols on a vehicle and those people would help us. And I, I was thinking about that this week. I, re, I remember growing up in a time where we had to be careful who we talked to. And then I also remember my own kids. And I remember trying to allow them to have a little more freedom than I had. I was always told, absolutely, under no circumstances, do you talk to strangers. And so with my kids, I kind of said, you, you can talk to strangers, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to be watching. If I'm not around, then don't communicate to strangers. But if I'm around, you feel free to talk to strangers. And, and I gave them some, some freedom in that. Now, Barrett, that didn't really make a difference because Barrett didn't like talking, period, until he was like 14, I think. But for Remington, that was huge. Like, I remember Remington at age two, we would go to a restaurant, and this kid would run around to each person that was waiting in the waiting area to be seated. He'd run around to each person and start talking to them. You know, if we got one of those little flashy number thingies that we were waiting for our number to be called, he would go, what number do you have? We have this number. 
age two. And he'd start talking to them about, did they just come from church? Do they go to church? Do they like church? Do they like Jesus? He, he would also get into things that were a little more important to him, like, you know, what kind of toys do you have at your house? You know, what kind of candy do you like? You know, things like that. And uh, it ultimately would end up with, do you have any candy for me? You know, because was, he, he, was, he, had, he had priorities. You know, we Jesus first, and then we worked towards candy. And so, so I always kind of encouraged him to, to be open and talk to people like that. And Daisy, I mean, if you haven't met Daisy, let's face it, she's a social butterfly. You know, she, her favorite day out of the year is the first day of school. I dreaded the first day of school. She loves the first day of school. Why? New friends, new teachers, new schedule, new everything. And she just loves, she'd come home, I met new people today, so many new people. You, you're homeschooled. How many new people did you meet? But they, do, they go to a public school on Fridays, and she'd be like, there was two new kids in our class, and they're so-and-so and so-and-so, and they're from this and this. And this. She loves that. She loves meeting people here at the church as well. But... It's kind of awkward for us in our Western society to push our children to be as outgoing, to be as encouraging and, and, and as talkative with strangers, I think. I think we struggle with that idea. And, and if we do encourage it, a lot of times it looks like self-sufficiency or, or you network for success kind of attitude. That we, we do this because this makes us successful. But God tells us to look for those whom society does not see. For those that are not part of that group. We're, we're, we're told to step outside and look at strangers, people that don't fit in, as possibly somebody who should fit in. But too often in our own society, we, we've been taught to keep people that look different than us. People that are strangers. People that are different and awkward or look different, smell different, act different, speak different, whatever it is, at arm's length. And we neglect the idea that we could have hospitality with these people. These people that might be poor, these people that might be widows, people that might be fatherless or motherless, people that might be orphans, people that in our society, in our area, in region of Aurora, might be single dads. You know, this area in Aurora, I've said this before, this has one of the highest percentages of single fathers in America, this neighborhood around this church. That's an unusual statistic. They look different. They act different. Christine Pohl writes of biblical hospitality. She says, strangers are people without a place. To be without a place means to be detached from basic life-supporting institutions. What a struggle it could be if you were detached from your basic life-supporting institutions. I know when Sandra and I first moved to Colorado, it was, it was a struggle. It was different. All of you were great in, in being hospitable to us, but none of you were our children's grandparents, right? It made it strange. We had to build trust. We had to find new ways. Everybody was a stranger. Even though you were Christian brothers, everybody was a stranger. That's our Western mentality sometimes. We move into an area and then we feel isolated and we feel like we don't have help. I know when my brother moved to Louisiana, he said, 
moving away from mom and dad and away from the city that we grew up in is a big challenge. He goes, what's your best advice for me? I told him, find a church. And he goes, well, of course you say that. You're a preacher. I said, no, find a church. Because in a church, there's a family. And find a church that is a family. Because in that family, they're going to support you. And it's going to remove those barriers of stranger. It's going to remove those barriers of danger. You're going to have help when you need help. Even if it's something just simple, like I need you to watch my kids for an hour while I go to the doctor. You'll have that help. Jesus taught us over and over and over that strangers are to be welcomed. That is to be the Christian attitude, that strangers are to be welcomed. Even even the writer of Hebrews picks up on this in their writing, that Jesus was teaching us over and over about strangers being welcomed. So let us open our Bibles to Hebrews 13 this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to be in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember, those who are in prison as though though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. The, The point of this writing right here is that us, for us as a Christian, we are to accept strangers. So who are the strangers that they're talking about that we're supposed to go? Are we just supposed to walk down the street and invite anybody that we see? Well, what most of us do is we walk down the street and we go, well, I invited my best friend. I invited the people I went to church with. Well, that's a good start. That's a good start. But that's not exactly what the command here is talking about. A wonderful way to fulfill this command is to meet and befriend strangers at church. Now, it's a little hard on a day that it's negative four outside. There's not a lot of strangers at the church this morning. I get that. But if you were a stranger and you came into our church, we would greet you and we would love on you. I guarantee that. And if somebody doesn't love on you and guarantee you, you tell me who they are. I want to know. Because as Christians, that's what we're supposed to do. We could find other ways to entertain and be hospitable towards people that we meet on a daily basis that are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Perhaps this stranger is a Christian from another land and they're traveling through. One of the things that I really liked when I first moved up here was this idea that University Church of Christ had done. University Church of Christ took this apartment or I think it might have been their parsonage, but it was a house that they owned next to the church. And they converted it into an apartment. And what that apartment was for was when people would travel here, because there's a lot of hospitals here. So it was when people would travel here for medical reasons or because a loved one had medical issues and was in one of the hospitals, they would open up that apartment to those people that were traveling to give them a place that they could call their own home. So they didn't have to live out of a hotel and out of a suitcase a place where they could cook a meal. And they would even, I think they even had a system of bringing meals to those people and helping them out in those times of need. What a way to be hospitable. The ancient Greek word for hospitality used here is literally translated love for strangers. Love for strangers. Now that's agape love. 
We want it to be agape love. We don't want it to be eros love. That would be wrong. That's a whole different conversation. But we're talking about agape love. We're talking about loving on strangers when we first meet them. I know that that is one of the things that drew Sandra and I to Southeast Church of Christ. When we came up to audition, I don't know, 11 years ago now almost, in July, we felt like we found family that lived in Colorado. We felt like we knew people, like we had met people before. It is quite possibly that we'd met Ken and Renice and Larry and Sheila at Pepperdine. It's possible. But we felt like Jim and Shelley were family. We felt like Brad and Carol and Rod and Marilyn and everybody that we met. We felt like we were family with them. That's a unique thing that Christians have. And we can share that and be hospitable. Brotherly love means love for all of our brothers and sisters in Jesus. Not just for those who are currently our closest friends. But for everyone. The Bible even tells us that when we entertain strangers, we are entertaining angels. And when we're hospitable to others, we really welcome Jesus into the situation. And perhaps, perhaps we invite angels into our lives. Abraham and Lot are great examples of unknowingly entertaining angels. We go back to Genesis and read their stories. We'll see that they didn't know that they were angels, but these men approach and they entertain them. They Feed them, they shelter them, they protect them. We should be as lucky as Abraham and Lot to have such an opportunity put before us. In the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Rosa Butterfield writes about hospitality in a Christian ideal setting. She talks about some of her own situation. And she talks about radically ordinary hospitality in her book. She shares a story of where their son, Michael, is about to meet his new brothers and sisters. Her two biological children had went to meet this African-American teenager that was going to live with them for a while. And they had brought him a dinosaur with a little foot on it that was chewed up. It was a beloved dinosaur. It was one that the two siblings had fought over all the time to play with. But they brought it for him as a gift. And as they met Michael, Michael became insistent on showing them his family. And so he shared a picture of his family, of his brother and sister in a picture. And uh, Butterfield's son, Knox, looked at the picture for a little bit. And he pointed at... Michael's brother Aaron in the picture, and he said, I know that that is me in the picture, but I don't have a Thomas the Tank Engine t-shirt. At least not yet. See, Butterfield writes that her children already felt like brothers and sisters to this young man. That's key. The mystery of the covenant of family unfolds in little places like this. In the hearts of children, when we see them engage each other, and engage the lives of people around us. We've always had to watch our kids closely, especially Daisy and Remington. We had to be careful with them, but we wanted to encourage them. We wanted to encourage them to be open and have open hearts 
writing about Hebrews 13, Charles Spurgeon says that love and empathy are supposed to be already part of the Christian life. He says, let it continue. Not only love of a common kind, such as we have, <clears throat> such as we are to have to all men, but that special brotherly love, which Christians bear to one another as members of one family. Let brotherly love continue. Abraham did so. Lot did so. They thought they were entertaining ordinary strangers, people that were just walking down the road, but that's not the case. They thought these were just ordinary people and they washed their feet, they prepared food for them, and they sheltered them and protected them. Some people will never entertain angels without knowing it. But these two got to. When Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, he approaches Paul the killer of Christians. And he changes Paul's life. And then Jesus tells Ananias to go find Paul, give him shelter, and heal him. How does that story go down? I, as a Christian, don't want Jesus coming to tell me and go, hey, here's the Antichrist. He's been killing Christians all across the world. I blinded him so he can't see you. But I want you to go heal him and give him shelter and hospitality. That's exactly what he tells Ananias. And Ananias does it. He trusts in Jesus and he goes and he does this. He offers prayer for healing for Paul's eyes. And he gives him hospitality for several days. He welcomes the enemy, the number one enemy at the time of Jesus, into his house because he trusts Jesus. To have the heart of Ananias, to have the heart of a child and be open, I wish I could. I wish I was not a skeptic in life. I wish I was not afraid. I wish sometimes, sometimes I wish is all I do. Jesus doesn't call us to shut our doors on strangers, to walk away from them, to ignore them, to keep them at arm's length. He calls us to share with them, to engage them. He doesn't call us to be so busy in our lives that we don't have time to sit down and ask a stranger what their favorite toy might be. Jesus wants you and me to open our minds, open our hearts, and open our homes. And not to live in fear, but to live for Him. I had this conversation with a good friend of mine this week. All too often in our Christian lives, we live as, as if we're afraid of everything that's around the corner. We hear about getting cancer or, or something tra tragic happening or, or something that might threaten our livelihood or our lives, and we panic. That does not come from Christ. 
that is our Western mentality. Because Christ told us we were already dead. We were already dead and He saved us. We are not to live in fear because we are to live a life like we were dying. Like today is the last day because we have already died in those waters of baptism and been raised new. This life will end. I guarantee it for each and every one of us. Nobody gets out alive. This life has an expiration date. We get caught up in trying to protect that expiration date and extend it out, and we forget what we're supposed to be doing. This life will end, but what we did for God will not. What we did for God when we were here and we were alive will carry on in the hearts of those that witnessed the acts where Jesus gave us an opportunity to entertain angels. It's those times that we need to embrace. And that is what hospitality is about. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we don't have to focus on the death. We can focus on the resurrection because we are a resurrected people. We are a people that have a secured future with you in heaven. Lord, let us live like we were dying. Let us live with an attitude in our hearts and our lives that says, I want to do everything I can for you before I check out. Everything I can for you here on earth, not for my glory, but for your glory, so that when I leave, people will know that you exist, that you are real, that you are tangible, and that you love. Lord, open our hearts to be more hospitable, to be more compassionate, to share agape love with those that are strangers that we might help them and in doing so might bring you great joy. In Jesus' name we pray.